0: This is the Sales Development Podcast, powered by TenBound, hosted by David Denver. My name is James Bodden, here to introduce episode 212 featuring Graham Collins, chief of staff at Quotapath. David and Graham dive right into this fantastic episode talking about Quotapath's recent series B where they raised $41 million and Graham shares what they're building and some of their key areas that they focused on that have led them to such great success. At the eight minute mark, Graham and David discuss some horror stories surrounding the mismanagement of commit payouts, and overall commission structures. These are stories from Graham's encounters as he's worked with different companies during his time at QuotaPath. Some really fantastic information about what to avoid and the things to focus on when you're building out comp structures. At the 18 minute mark, David and Graham discuss the power of building a personal brand. And building relationships alongside that brand, and how that can turbocharge your career. Anybody listening to this that's thought about starting a personal brand, or maybe has lacked the motivation to start building a personal brand, this is a fantastic part of the episode to tune into. At the 22-minute mark, Graham talks to us about the power of truly considering the why behind your desires to become a leader, and gives a very realistic view about the benefits of remaining a successful individual contributor as opposed to becoming a leader if that's not really your true calling. This episode is full of this type of value, tactical, practical information from somebody who's done the job of building great teams, had great members of those teams go on to do great things, And he's here just to share that insight with us. If you enjoy this episode, head over to 10bound.com. Make sure you leave us a rating. But for now, enjoy episode 212 of the Sales Development Podcast featuring Graham Collins, Chief of Staff at Quotapath.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. This is David Denver, your host. And today, we're going to be speaking with Mr. 480. And no, this isn't Mr. Worldwide Pitbull. But Mr. 480, what does that mean? Graham Collins, Chief of Staff, helped Quotapath scale their organization from 20 employees to 70 in the last year, which is 480% year-over-year increase in revenue growth. Please welcome the man, the myth, the legend, Graham Collins, Head of Staff at Quotapath. Welcome, Graham. Hi there. Happy to be here. Yeah. So first and foremost, let me take a step back. I just want to congratulate you and the Quotapath team. Know that you ended up receiving your Series B. I think it was roughly 41 million, you know, a few months ago. So congratulations on your continued growth. Thank you. Yeah, we did that Series B. It was very, very exciting for us. No, absolutely. So like, let's kind of get into the nitty gritty of things. I mean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but Quotapath, it's a commission tracking and compensation you know, management platforms. Is that right? Yeah. That's probably the quickest way to describe it for sure. Yeah. And so like when I was kind of digging through some of the case studies on your website, I think one of your customers went on to say that 50% of the sales team was onboarded in seven days. So like that is absolutely insane. And possibly for the listeners out there, like if you could potentially talk a little bit and provide a little bit more context about what that even means. Yeah, absolutely. And so because Quotapath allows
2: transparency across the organization when it comes to compensation, it's super important to have sales reps, sales leaders, rev ops, finance, everybody looking at the same numbers. And of course, doing that quickly is is super important. And this comes from our experience. and, And I say our experience, several of us who work at the company or were early stage employees or our founders worked together at a company in Austin called TrendKite. And we were using outdated software, we were using Excel spreadsheets, trying to calculate commissions and trying to analyze this and make sure that everybody knew how much they were getting paid and realize that that's a real issue in the industry where reps work very, very hard, whether it's your SDRs or your AEs or your sales managers. Everybody's working to try to get these commissions, but then it's kind of a black box. They don't know how much they're going to get paid until a paycheck arrives in their bank account. And so we wanted to provide that transparency. And so when you say onboarding in seven days, that's taking from a spreadsheet or taking a paper document that lays out a compensation plan into our software rolled out to the sales team so that they can see their earnings in real time within about a
1: week. Wow, that's insane. You know, from personal experience, I mean, I've been on many sales organizations where I've had to, you know, it's kind of embarrassing, right? Where you almost have to reach out to your manager and say, hey, like, you know, for my commissions last month, what happened here? And then they tell you to ping HR and then HR or whoever's going to be running, you know, commissions. It becomes one of those things where it's like, then you have to follow up with your sales manager and it just gets a little bit sticky and a little bit uncomfortable. So I think this is absolutely phenomenal how you've really, You know, your organization has built out such a cool tool. So kudos to you and the team. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, you know, one of the things that I found really interesting, and I wanted to learn a little bit more because when I saw you post about, you know, something that, you know, you and your team used to do, or when you were sales development, you know, the director, you really talked about, and this was over at TrendKite, analyzing your sales funnel. You know activities that really lead to success down the sales funnel and i think on your website there's a free tool that you actually helped create and so maybe walk us through a little bit about how that was built how you you know got your sdrs kind of caught up to speed or when you were had your one-on-ones with them what that essentially looked like
2: yeah absolutely so I believe in this quadrant of motivation. And so on the far left, you have money. And on the far right, you have pride. And at the top, you have public. And at the bottom, you have private. And so... What I mean by that is your public money people are the kinds of people who are motivated by driving up in a fancy car or wearing fancy watches or being seen as successful via the amount of money that they can spend on things. And that's not a negative trait by any means. None of these are any better than the others. Your private money people are the ones who go on cool vacations and maybe have a nice house or treat themselves to nice meals, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then you have on the pride side, the people who are you know, the the, high, the public pride people are the ones ringing the bell or ringing the gong and high-fiving everybody. And the private pride people are the ones who who are really motivated internally on doing a good job. And maybe it's a, a quick slack from your manager saying, hey, great job closing that deal or whatever. And so the reason that I bring that up is because everybody is searching to hit a target. Ideally, you, know, ideally you have a solid, well-built target. And specifically when you're looking at sales development, More often than not, that's number of opportunities created. Now, that may be quality opportunities or just any opportunity, or it may be revenue generated from those opportunities. But each part within that sales funnel, there are conversion metrics. There are number of activities. There are the amount of effort that you put into this sales funnel has results at the end of the day. And so what I used to do every... Month was sit down with each one of my SDRs. I ran a team of about 45 people and I would say, okay, what are your goals? And is your goal money? Is it pride? Do you want to hit your target? Do you want to buy something nice? What is that exact goal? And then we would work backwards. And what that would create is say, okay, well, you want to make $1,000 this month. You're paid $100 per opportunity. That means you need to create 10 opportunities. In order to create an opportunity, it takes you this many. Meetings in order to create that many meetings, it takes this many, you know, it takes you 50 cold calls in order to set a meeting. And we would work backwards there. And from that, we would create these metrics of like, okay, so therefore, in order to achieve this goal, you need to make a thousand cold calls this month. And then instead of me just going out and saying, hey, your target is a thousand cold calls. It allowed them to own that and it allowed them to say, the reason why I'm making a thousand cold calls is because I want to buy an engagement ring or go on a fancy vacation or hit my target and
1: get promoted. That's awesome. I think that's so important. And, you know, I've talked on the show a bunch about leading from the front and really understanding your reps' whys. I think that's really cool because if you really can understand their why, if it's like those fancy dinners or if it's like, you know, really being able to give you know, their family, the best life or be able to get their children to the best camps or whatever that is backing into that number is so crucial. And so, you know, when we talk about sales commission plans and really being able to, you know, be that leader, that's going to help them get there. Have you seen things fall through the cracks? I mean, let's say not a quota path, but I'm saying overall as a leader, like I'm sure you've had horror stories, of things where, you know, a rep might not have gotten paid, they didn't follow up on it. A little bit later they were like, "Hey, what happened to this deal?" or whatever the case may be. I mean, have you ever found anything like that along, you know, within your career?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, a major function of my role at Quotapath is that I sit down with sales leaders, rev ops leaders, finance leaders and help them build the right compensation plan for their organization. So I've done at this point, probably 400 of these calls. I haven't counted that recently, but last I checked, it was 350 and I do five to 10 a week. So it's probably closer to 400 at this point. So I sit down with those folks and try to help them build the compensation plan that works best for their organization. And through those calls, I've seen all kinds of horror stories. (laughs) David, I can tell you a ton of different stories if you have specific questions, but There are a few issues that are resounding across pretty much every one of those conversations. And a lot of it comes down to transparency and understanding from the reps.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And I think when we spoke offline, I think one of the things that really caught my attention was when you talked about there's a right way of putting together sales compensation plans and the wrong way of doing it. And I would love to hear kind of your philosophy behind that, probably starting with like, spreadsheets, how they're outdated, and really kind of the new way that sales leaders and folks within organizations are starting to look at commission plans.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And first of all, I'll shout out on our website under the resources on Quotapath.com. You can see, you can book time with me. I'm happy to meet with anybody if you want to get more specific on this, but really what it comes down to, and I try to be very Quotapath agnostic. I try not to think about the commission tracking and the commission calculating when building these compensation plans. I'm more focused on getting the right plan. And so what does the right plan look like? My rule is that a compensation plan should be simple, it should be logical, and it should be fair. And so those are when starting out and building a compensation plan, shoot for simple, logical, and fair. I'm happy to dive into any of those if you want to hear more about that.
1: That's awesome. And you know I think the viewers would probably like to learn a little bit more about this insane growth. This is like You know, I'm not talking right now because obviously the crypto market's down, but these are like crypto type of like moonshot numbers. I mean, really being able to scale the organization from Quotapath. I believe you mentioned that you worked with some like folks that have moved on over to Quotapath. They, you know, you've worked with them in your past as well. Is that right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So a good chunk of the Quotapath company, although it's becoming less and less every day is because we're hiring more people, not from TrendKite, but came from TrendKite. And so much of that growth really depends upon that transparency and that trust that we're making the right decisions. And so that goes all the way from our board to our executive team, to our individual contributors. And there's that trust that everybody is going to do their job correctly. Everybody knows the vision and we have our core values. Everybody has that printed out, sitting on their desk, our core values, everybody has we're reminded of our targets and our goals on a weekly basis. And so a lot of it comes down to that transparency and that one vision and one alignment, everybody marching towards the same end goal.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I think, you know, with the things that you're really starting to do, I'm thinking top of funnel when looking at one of your new LinkedIn lives, right? Like I'm starting to see, like, I think Today, I mean, obviously the viewers will probably end up listening. This might be two weeks down the road, but you know, until it's published, but you're on episode two of the sales nerds live. So maybe talk a little bit about what are the things that you have going on at sales nerds live? I would love to learn, you know, about that. And for other people that are listening in that how they can end up following sales nerds live. Yeah, for sure. Let me take a step back and tell you the why behind this. So
2: there's this wonderful book that I've read a couple of times called Traction. And a lot of it has to do with early stage marketing. And a lot of that is experiment and trying things and seeing what works and what doesn't work and being willing to pivot away from things that work or being willing, sorry, pivot away from things that don't work or being able to walk away from things that might have worked at one point. So an example that I like to give is Reddit ads. So we used to run ads on reddit whenever we first started and that was really successful for us for getting the type of persona that we were interested in and then after a while it stopped working and so we had to be willing to walk away from that and invest our time and energy in other things so another example of an experiment that we've been running historically is our CEO AJ owns a plane he comes from an aviation background his both of his parents they met his father's a pilot his mother's a flight attendant and they met in the air and he has uncles and cousins who are all pilots and so he owns a plane and he has a youtube series called value prompts where he flies sales leaders and finance leaders revops leaders around in his plane and interviews them well that's awesome it's great for us but it's kind of hard to get a full day of our ceo's time to go flying around plus not to mention waivers and all kinds of other things. And so we wanted to try something that was a little bit less labor intensive for us to try to reach an audience. And so I've been doing a lot of webinars and podcasts and interviews recently. And so I thought, well, what's it like to be on the other side of the microphone? So we started a LinkedIn live series that we're calling Sales Nerds Live that starts at 1207 Central. We're doing it monthly right now. And the idea is that I'm sitting down with At least I'm a sales nerd. I'm not trying to give that title to other people if they don't want it. But so far, my two guests have been fellow sales nerds, sitting down and talking with them in a really short form over lunch, about a half hour, 20, 25 minutes chatting through different topics. And these topics are recommended by our listeners. And then that allows us to turn those into YouTube videos, into podcasts, into blog posts. So it really gives us a lot of material because I spend so much of my time talking to sales leaders and business leaders, but getting it out of my head is kind of hard, getting it out of my head onto paper. And so having it in formats like this is really valuable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I actually, I just signed up. I'm excited to kind of check it out, learn a little bit more. You know, I think one of your guests, Jacob Walker, is going to be on head of sales.
2: So, Jacob, he's great. He started as an SDR on my team and now he's making more money than I am working as a head of sales over at a really cool company.
1: That just shows, you know, a testament of like really how you've interacted with, you know, your SDRs as a leader, right? Where you still feel, not feel, but like, they feel comfortable still engaging with you and being able to, you know, still have those conversations. And, you know, I think that's so important for people that, you know, are tuning in to the show today. It's like, how important is it to build your own personal brand and really to just overall be a good person? Because, right, like you said, you know, Jacob's now, you know, the head of sales, you've been wildly successful in all your ventures that you've, you know, been a part of but it's all about relationships. It's all about your own personal brand. So like, can you tell our SDRs a little bit about like how important it is in today's world about personal branding and what that really means today? Yeah,
2: absolutely. This is actually something that I didn't really believe in up until recently. I know that sounds ridiculous. I guess I didn't really put together what I was doing was personal branding until fairly recently. And so I have always tried to leave every relationship and every interaction that I have, whether it's a prospective customer, a colleague, a manager, somebody who reports to me, I always try to both assume positive intent in them. So assume that they're not being a jerk just to be a jerk. There's a reason that if somebody's rude to you or somebody is unhappy with you, there's a reason for it. And then also try to leave them with a positive taste in their mouth. And sometimes this can be difficult. I've had to fire a lot of people. I mean, not a lot of people, of course, but I have had to fire people. And it always sucks. It's never fun to have to fire people, but I have maintained those relationships and structured the way that I've terminated people in a way that they respect it. They understand they've been given the reason behind it. And I have had a few people come back to me and say, you know, thank you for handling that in a mature way. It was absolutely the right decision. And I'm glad that that's how we ended the relationship there, but we can continue being either friends or colleagues, or, you know, sometimes they come back and they're customers of mine or I'm customers of theirs.
1: Yeah. And I think the really cool thing about you, Graham, is that you're the individual that if you had to have those tough conversations, or you did have to, you know, lay off an SDR, you're the individual that goes out and actually helps those individuals get new jobs. So I think that's also really cool where, you know, today, a lot of SDR managers or directors, they might not go that far to really help their team get, you know, new jobs if they were laid off. So shout out to you there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's very important to make sure that you give people a soft landing. And I can be kind of a nihilist when it comes to sales, just because somebody is really, really good at a sales at one company or you know, very bad at sales at one company doesn't predetermine whether they'll be good or bad at another company. And there, of course, a little bit of determination, but it's not a 100% guarantee. And so I've been a reference for several people who I've fired where I give reference and say, yeah, honestly, they didn't work out here, but here's why. And here's why I think they will work out for you. I think that a lot of it comes down to not keeping two sets of books, not talking out of both sides of
1: your mouth, being honest and candid with somebody. Totally. And, you know, as we kind of wrap up today, Graham, I mean, total burning topics. Let's talk about a burning topic that you are completely passionate about where you wake up in the morning and you're like, you know what, this is what I want to be able to help, you know, ingrain in others that people that are really trying to like climb the corporate ladder. In this case, let's talk about SDRs. What would that burning topic be your advice, tactical advice you could be for SDRs that are on the come up?
2: Yeah. Well, at first you were saying burning topic. I mean, Big thing for me right now is figuring out how to smoke a brisket properly. But I, as you ask the rest of that question, I realize that's not what you're asking about because I still haven't figured it out. But for me, a big thing that I always like to tout is that more often than not, when you ask people, like, what's next in your career for you with SDRs, it's fairly straightforward. I want to go into a closing role, you know, okay. And then what next? More often than not, the answer is management. And oh, I want to manage a team. And I feel like so often, salespeople think that that is the inevitable next step. And the thing that you have to go do after you are a closer is, oh, well, I have to go manage a team. That's not the right mentality. I think that for most people, most people are not, should not plan on managing teams because it kind of sucks. Honestly, man. I mean, I have had every management role that I've had, at least one person on my team is making more money than me. I'm having to work a lot harder than they are. And I get more satisfaction out of seeing somebody else on my team succeed than succeeding myself in something. So somebody I coach them and they close a deal, way more satisfaction than closing a deal myself. And so the thing that comes up so often is when people are like, "Oh, I want to be a manager, I want to lead a team, I want to be a CRO." Really think about that and exactly why that is and legitimize the idea that a lifelong individual contributor closing deals, making a half a million dollars a year is a not only a perfectly acceptable role, it's more admirable at times because you are contributing substantially more as an individual to an
1: organization than if you
2: tried to be a manager and it wasn't right for you.
1: Such amazing advice on all fronts. I think what you stand for as a leader and really what you're doing over at QuotaPath is so amazing, Graham. Just want to give you, you know, just say personally, thank you so much for joining us at the Sales Development Podcast. It was such a pleasure having you and getting to know you more on a personal one-to-one basis, bro. Thank you. Yeah, you too, David. It was a pleasure to chat. Yeah. And so quick note, we have some awesome speakers just like Graham coming up next on the Sales Development Podcast. So please stay tuned and don't forget to sign up for our newsletter to get tactical tips and tricks that can help you and your team crush your quota. So until next time, this is David Denver signing off. Be well, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10Bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's
0: 10Bound.com.